Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Today I'm going to be having a conversation with uh, Claudia Pichi Morris. Claudia is a CEO, succession, and board advisory expert at Spencer Stewart Consulting Services in the United States with clients across industries. She advises boards on succession planning, director recruitment, and board effectiveness, as well as other key governance challenges facing corporates. Claudia has conducted more than 750 board director sessions and governance consulting engagements. Claudia, welcome to the Sheila Kama Extracted Podcast. I look forward to speaking with you. Thank you for having me, Sheila. That's lovely. So let me just start with the first question. What in your view has been the main impact, if at all, of uh, ESG on the way that your clients view corporate governance? Well, I think that um, ESG will continue to be a big topic of conversation in boardrooms, um, but I think that there is still a lot of ambiguity around what ESG means depending on the company that you're um, talking to. And so, and part of that ambiguity continues to drive a lot of frustration for boards as they think about the implications of disclosures and other rules that are coming down the pike from the SEC and other investors around how they need to position the information that they have regarding the topic. But frankly, it's just, it's too broad to describe everything that um, they need to, to disclose. And so there's been a lot of uh, thinking around how they parcel out pieces of ESG to different parts of the, the board. But the impact, I think they, they I think organizations believe that in the long-term impact of putting together real programs that have a tangible benefit for organizations and they see that as a priority. Yeah, I think you make a very important point because two things. One, ESG, of course, is not a composite part. It, it, it's different elements of governance. And, and we forget that because we, we've tended to discuss it as if it's a single entity. But the other thing, of course, that you also write about is that actually ESG is evolving. And, and my sense, and certainly as a, a non-executive director, is that you know companies and boards struggle with quite uh, where in the ESG space to focus uh, and, and how to keep pace with the, the evolution. So, so I, I, I empathize with you there for sure. Now, I mean, having said that, some companies or some people view ESG as a tool for managing risk. Others see it as a, a tool around which you can strategically frame uh, the, the the work of a company and 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 it, therefore it, it helps in developing strategy. In your view, uh, you know what is what is prevailing, and what might be more helpful to uh, your clients in terms of how they view ESG. I think my clients see it as both. I and I and in fact we. Um, convene a group of NAM and Gov chairs of public companies across the U.S. And it's about, it represents something like um, 200 companies that they serve on. And in almost all cases, I don't think that there's um, 
that they see that um, ESG is divorced from strategy or risk. I think it's a key component in both. But again, I think that there is more of a question around uh, how do they weave maybe practices that they currently have in place into their messaging on strategy? And then how do they decide what to disclose that won't put them at risk for potential litigation and, and other things uh, once they put things, once they put information out into the public domain. So, um, so I think it's a little both from, mm. from their perspective. You, you've, you've of course referenced here uh, listed companies, but uh, but you also of course uh, assist uh, privately owned companies and equity backed companies. Do, do you see a difference in the way that, for instance, privately owned companies approach governance, uh, albeit through the lens of ESGs? I think private, so let's separate private, maybe more family owned from private equity. Mm -hmm. um, because I think private equity is very much in tune with what the expectations are from stakeholders and investors around um, their adoption of ESG for their portfolio companies. So it is on uh, something that they are actively ensuring is put in place for their um, portfolio companies. In fact, I'm working with a public private equity firm that is specifically looking to recruit uh, somebody who has deep uh, experience around um, ESG in, in a more operational or investing uh, perspective so that they can put together frameworks that their um, that their portfolio companies can then implement depending on again the nature of the business. So I do think it's it's very high on the list of, of private equity companies. Of private companies, um, Again, I think many private companies that are large, so and to name a few, the Cargills of the world, the Bechtels of the world, they run like public companies so that they, they even have you know governance that is uh, exactly like a public company um, structure. So they would have committees and so forth. And so it is very much a part of the discussion in the boardrooms of those larger companies. I think when you get to smaller companies, it really comes down to um, you know, whether or not the company has the um, you know, capability, and, and I mean both personnel and, and perhaps funds, to be able to break that out as a separate part of their discussion. But overall, I think most companies are really um, putting a lot of effort toward thinking through how they can implement ESG strategies and think about the risks that are coming down the pike. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that you say that it's not really a question of whether or not it's publicly listed or not. It is. It's, it, you you seem to suggest that it's more the size. Uh, the smaller the companies, the less perhaps because of resources, but the bigger the companies. Do you think also this has to do with visibility and the desire to mitigate brand reputational risk? For for larger companies or for all companies? For for larger companies, I, I, I imagine. But I would be interested to hear what your take is with respect to small companies too. I think that 
the world has become a lot more sensitive and educated on the various elements of ESG. And of course, there have been events that have really driven a lot of the issues around social justice, um, et cetera, particularly in the US. And so I think regardless as to whether you're public or private, you have stakeholders that are going to determine whether they wanna do business with you based on whether or not you are aligned with their values across the ESG spectrum. So I don't think it's a if anymore, I think it's a must. And I think most companies are taking it seriously. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess you are right. In, in, in a world in which, um, you know, the media and even activists and others are very intrusive, it, mm -hmm. it's hard to assume you can find a little corner there and just live alone. And, and in a world in which people are literally buying uh, you know, value and no longer just the, the items on the, the shelf and they want to know what they represent in terms of governance and ethics. I, I think companies are, are pressed uh, to ensure that they, they mitigate the risk. But I wonder whether the flip side of that is that companies begin to, rather than be on the, on the defensive or uh, rather than merely be reactive, do you see any move towards companies being more proactive and seeing ESG as a value proposition rather than a mere response to a, 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 a either a, a you know regulatory requirement or a, a customer expectation? Absolutely, absolutely. I think I see companies are being extremely proactive. Um, again, across the spectrum of ESG. And I don't think it's just because of pressure. I think we have moved into more purpose-driven leadership in terms of a model. And, and, and so I think in particular, CEOs are really ensuring that the companies are being thoughtful about how they are dealing with these issues um, for the greater good, not just because the SEC or other regulators mandate changes. So, uh, and I think that there is a responsibility, or at least I believe that CEOs feel a responsibility that if things are gonna change, particularly on the environmental side and, and, I, and also on the social side, that the corporate America needs to be the one to stand up and, and make those changes happen. So uh, it's interesting because you, you are speaking about helping clients, uh, for instance, recruit. Do you find that your clients are beginning to embed the need for uh, directors to either be knowledgeable or sensitive to ESG issues? Are you seeing that being increasingly a part of the spec? I think there's a, a bit of a debate in the U.S. Um, around uh, board composition. I think in the past, uh, the pendulum swung from having someone who is a CEO or a PNL leader to someone who maybe has more functional expertise. And I'm talking about beyond the, the CFO. So looking, I think there has been more, obviously tech uh, profiles and HR and marketing has increased, not, not wildly, but it has increased. Um, but I think the pendulum is swinging back to bringing in people who have a broad um, 
broad visibility into the things that affect an organization. But I do believe when I when we present people who have that breadth that they're looking for, but also have oversight, perhaps of implementation of ESG initiatives, or has been driving uh, any ESG initiative as part of their overall management responsibility, they they tend to be very attractive candidates for for uh, our clients. Yeah. So do do you see this with respect to uh, non-executive directors, or are you finding that? Uh, this attractiveness is is enhanced even in the case of executive directors who may have a specialist line function? So I was specifically talking about non-executive directors. I think um, I, I don't have as much visibility on the um, you know management level or executive uh, team in terms of their responsibility, although it's interesting given the uncertainty that all companies are facing is, is we're kind of in this new normal. Um, like we saw in the past, many companies adopt the role of a chief sustainability officer. I think we're gonna see maybe more expertise aligned around geopolitical knowledge or a broader macroeconomic understanding to ensure that all these risks across the, the various dimensions are being managed. So I, so I think that the introduction or the, the standardization of bringing in people specifically in the um, sustainability role has, you know, has changed the, uh, the uh, makeup of the executive team. And I've recently spoken to several uh, executives in that role for a board assignment I'm working on. And it is very clear that they are they, that their uh, programs are deeply embedded in the strategy of the organization overall, and um, and so they are in many cases direct reports to either the CEO or the vice chairman or whomever they they work with. But they're a very senior level on the executive team who are driving these initiatives. Hmm. So you know, coming back to ESG itself and governance. Are you sensing when you, especially as you work with boards to build capacity and, and make sure that uh, boards can govern in line with current uh, stakeholder expectations, are, are you sensing any bias towards, say, for instance, things environmental versus things social or the, the conventional governance space? Is, is there... Uh, uh, any one of these ESG components that seems to preoccupy directors more than another? Again, I think it's it's so dependent on the nature of the business, but you know, by and large, and I work with a lot of manufacturing companies, I would say that the weighting of the importance across the spectrum is 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 the same. You know, I think that there is um, as much, uh, concern about the environment is there is around managing stakeholders and employees in a way, because, especially because talent has become um, such a a, um, a a significant need, um, particularly at the hourly worker or the the um, uh, plant level in manufacturing. So, I do think it's equal. And again, I just want to emphasize that ESG at the board is not about actually driving these initiatives, but it's about overseeing that the right things are being um, are being uh, thought through and that the data 
um, is pulled together in a way that can support the organization strategy and risk parameters. Um, and so that's what the directors are, or the non-executive directors are accountable for, not driving the initiatives themselves. Sure. No, it makes sense because, of course, as you rightly say, that the role of the board is to drive an overseas strategy, but also make sure that, uh, you know, from a risk perspective, the risk layout is understood and that the right uh, measures are placed uh, by the executive to mitigate that risk. It, it makes sense that they themselves wouldn't uh, be involved. I, I'm mindful, uh, Claudia, that, uh, you know, the notion of uh, diversity and inclusion has, in some regards, taken center stage and, and wanted to get a sense from you of how, uh, again, through the lens of your clients, you see this changing the conversation around the boardroom, uh, if at all. How it's, how change, how this conversation is changing, I just wanna make sure I understood the question. Sure, I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine uh, the possibility that the notion of diversity and inclusion uh, has found itself into the boardroom. And I'm trying to see whether or not it, it has impacted the flavor of discussions in any way uh, uh, from the point of view of your experience with some of your clients? I I don't, we don't have any empirical evidence to say that, but I do believe that it, it's now a widely held belief amongst at least our clients that diversity in the boardroom is uh, critical to ensuring that uh, the company get has broader perspective on the issues that are being uh, you know, brought to the board. So while there's nothing specific around uh, empirical information to support that, I do believe that it's a, a well-established um, belief amongst you know, many of our clients that diversity is um, important for the success of their companies. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, and uh, I, I see in the studies that you do also and others that uh, generally, you know, companies believe they do better when they have diverse voices Absolutely. and diverse uh, experiences. And so I think quite apart from ESG, I think uh, increasingly companies consider diversity a form of uh, uh, value to the establishment. Here's my last question to you. Uh, you know, the the U.S. Uh, Securities and Exchange Commission uh, is now all set to introduce ESG reporting. How have some of your clients received this? I mean, reporting to the Security Exchange Commission is already an onerous task. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing from uh, listed companies uh, in the U.S. about the this additional requirement? I think just like um, with uh, other disclosures, and the most recent, of course, is DE&I, which is now pre-established uh, as a disclosure within at least the S&P 500 that we track each year. I think that there is, um, again, kind of a, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of thought being put into what exactly should be reported. And in order to ensure that they're giving the right kind of information to satisfy 
investors and the regulators, but at the same time, not um, opening themselves up for potential litigation around any of the topics that they decide to disclose on. I mean, as you may know, with the um, advent of the uh, changes to the proxy card um, for activists, it's a lot easier for companies or for activists to um, um, decide to bring forward chairman uh, um, to bring over um, shareholder proposals uh, for companies, particularly in this proxy season. So while we're waiting to see the outcome, we've already seen an, an increase in um, activist um, uh, approaches related to uh, some of these ESG issues. So. I do think that there's kind there is a little bit of worry around making sure that the right things are being disclosed while not exposing the company to um, you know other criticisms that could affect or or distract them from their business. Yeah, it's interesting, of course, because we started off by recognizing that ESG can be a tool to uh, mitigate risk, but but also that. It, it, it frames strategy. And then here we are in the reporting space, uh, at least in the reporting requirements, there is an inherent risk of uh, exposing oneself to activist action. And therefore, in that sense, I guess you could say ESG comes full cycle uh, yeah. and becomes something of a double-edged sword. But in any case, Gloria, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to the Sheila Come Extractive Podcast uh, as usual, I have found your thoughts very insightful. Thank you very much for having me.